This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Okay, this week's subject matter. This week is Pashas Shlach Lecha, where we sent the Maraglim into Eretz Yisrael to come back with a report on the beauty of Eretz Yisrael and how we're going to capture it, right? Everybody knows that now. So they go into Eretz Yisrael and they come back. Now, there's many different reasons. There are actually opposing reasons. Why did Moraglam do this? Why did they come back and give a bad report? You know, you don't just do something without a reason. So, you had here Nisim. Nisim are very holy people. They're the heads of the heads of Shvatim, right? They went to Eretz Yisrael. They turned the big fruits that they had to carry. They turned into oh, they're very big fruits, but they're giants. That's why there's big fruits, right? And there were people dying when they got there. There's a lot of levias. Says the Kodesh who made that so that nobody would know that they're spies because they, if they're busy with the levias, so Hashem did it for them. They came back and said, oh, this this, this land eats its, it eats up its own people. Everybody's dying. Right, they came up with this terrible report. So there's Mamash opposing views. One view says it's because they were the Nisim and their whole power was only in the Midbar. But the minute they came to Eretz Yisrael, there'd be a Melech, be a king, there'd be nobody. So power corrupts. So they wanted to do whatever they could to delay or not go altogether into Eretz Yisrael. So it was coming from a very bad place. That's one side. Other side says, it's coming from a very good place. That they were, you know, it's, they were, they were in in, um, in in the midbar, so they didn't have to work, right? Because they had the mon came down from Shemayim, right? Hamoiti lechem min Shemayim. They used to say hamoiti mon min Shemayim, whatever or lechem. So they didn't have to work, so they could learn. So everybody was in Kailo, forty years. They didn't ask for five years Kailo, they asked for forty years Kailo. There's forty years Kailo. They said we're going to come into Eretz Yisrael, and then you got to plant. And you gotta build little Tyra. So it came from a good place. They want to stay in the midbar and sit and learn all day. They don't have to go to work. But that's not what life's about. Let me tell you a crazy cheshman that they had. I just saw it this week. I think it's in the Chida. He says, why do they complain about the mon? The mon tasted like whatever you want it to taste. There's a machoikis if it tasted like something that wasn't kosher. Like you want it to taste like lobster, what it tastes like lobster. So the whole big machlaikis, so this is beautiful. The whole big machlaikis, it, it could taste like something that isn't kosher, but since it's mitzvah with kosher, it doesn't matter what it tastes like, I, I got some myself. So, so they were also, on a very high level, they're getting the mun. What was their problem with the mun? So it was also from a from, a from Yetzirah, we call it. They said like this, why do you have food? Why does the person have food? You have food, you make a bracha on it, right? But the man you also made a bracha. But then what you do, it's very interesting. I saw the Zaya. It's a fascinating Zaya. Why do people go, why do we go to the bathroom? The man, they didn't go to the bathroom for 40 years. 40 years. They didn't go to the bathroom. No ashiyatsa. Because man was kulay tahar. Kulay, even though it was physical, but it was ruchnius. The way, it's very fascinating. So I'm, it's not my shit tonight, and it's very, very deep, and I don't want to make you crazy. But the Zayir says the following: the Zayir says that the reason God created our 
bodies, when that's a very big part of our body, to separate waste. Your small intestine, your large intestine, your stomach, you chew it, then it goes in your esophagus, then it goes to your stomach, and then you have these acids, then it goes to your small intestine, then it goes in your large intestine, then, right? The food gets separated and separated and separated and separated, and your body takes in the nutrients, and the stuff that you don't need ends up in the bathroom. Malachim don't go to the bathroom, right? So why a human being? It's a very low, you know, it's very low to have to go to the bathroom, right? So why, why does Hashem create us that way? So Zayar says, because in every fruit and everything that's in this world, since Adam ate from the Eitzadas, it's very fascinating, this Toivin Ra. So he created every human being's body to be able to separate, they call it the Psalas, the Toiv from the Ra. So your body takes the Toiv right out of it, and the Ra ends up going, according to him, goes to the Sitra Acher. It's like for him. That's why you can't dive in near near um, human waste because the human, human waste is, is, is goes to him because the psalis, which is the tummit, which is the thing that you don't need, it's called the psalis, that goes to the sitra acha, which your body takes in, the nutrients, and that's what you're making the bracha on, that goes of course to your body, which you're using for terror, goes to the, goes to the, goes to the good side. So he brings down the chidah, brings this down, it's fascinating. So why do they complain about the mon? Because he said, by the mon, we're not being massacred anything. We're not doing a tikkun. The whole gilgulim, the whole thing of, of neshamas in food, right? And animals and in food and sameach in plants and in fruits and in sameach and in medav and, and in chai, which is, our, which is animals. So that whole tikkun for those neshamas, right? That is done through food, through getting rid of the psalas and using the good, the neshama gets freed. But if we're eating the mun and there's no psalas, no psalas in the mun, then all the neshamas have to come in the world those 40 years had nowhere to be masaking. So, Shem Shemayim, we're going to complain. So a person has to understand that that when a Kishboch gives you something, then if you fight against it, it's not really Shem Shemayim. The combination of the two pshatim on, on, on the Moraglim is that it's not two separate pshatim. That Kailel or Nesim. So the pshat is really, it's one pshat. It's that they came to the thing that, oh, right, we have to go sit and learn because they didn't want to lose their power. In, in other words, how do you make something right? The reason you're making it right is not, is not, is wrong. You, you, you have to come up and you have to make your conscience feel right. So the, the whole drusha and the whole svaro that, how can we go into Yisrael? It's going to be bitful taira. No. No, it wasn't L'shem Shemayim. You came up with the Svara because you really don't want to lose your jobs. But you can't, you can't say, I'm not going into Israel because I don't want to lose my job. So you came up with the whole Svara that I want to, I can you give up the learning? So it's corrupt. It was a corrupt Svara from the beginning. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, L'shem Shemayim. And he goes back into the Mun. He says, the Mun is the, the bottom line, it was Taiva. And they wanted to feel, that's why it says the meat was stuck between their teeth. They wanted to crunch. They wanted to, right? So you came up with, well, I can't, I can't say to myself, you know, I can't be real to myself. I always talk to kids about this. You have to be real with yourself. If you do something wrong, you have to know that it's wrong. If you don't know it's wrong, you're never going to fix it. You have to know what's wrong. you got to look in the mirror and say, I did a bad thing. Now, if I know it's a bad thing, I can correct it. If I walk around and I make it into a whole Tvatayra, that it was a good thing. I spoke to Shara about this. Someone asked me about a shidduch and I spoke bad, right? 
Then you have to think about why did I speak back? Because I'm not married. And I'm scared that this shit, you know, for my friend, it might work. Go into yourself. People are very scared to know, you know, and if you don't know your weaknesses, you can't fix them. You didn't speak, you didn't say, L'shem Shemayim, that the, with a girl asking about your friend, and you gave this bad report. I do L'shem Shemayim, I don't want it to get stuck, my friend, I know his problems. Liar. Look in the mirror and say, wrong, I don't want to be single without, you know, and my friend should be married. So I want to make sure he doesn't really get married. So now I'm really real, I'm like, oh man, that was a really bad thing I just did. So you know what, next time I'm not going to do that. But if you think, no, Hashem Shemayim, I have to protect the whole world from him. I, you're his friend, you have no problem being his friend, but you have a problem with anyone else being his friend. The person has to be, has to be very real. So over here, by the, by the mothers, don't give us no stories. Ditsutsim, Gugulim, Tikunim, Psylas, with masses. That whole drusha came. Because the bottom line is you want to taste, you want, you want to, you want to go back, have pickles and watermelon, which is what they said. So, yeah, a person has to be very real. What happened here is when they came back, right, so they, they took a picture, which was really, really great, and they made it really bad. So in here, and I speak about this every year, but I'm going to go really off on a tangent tonight. Um, they say the following in Pasik. Is this Aleph? No. Pasik Rulamit Gimel, Perikud Gimel. And there we saw the Nephilim. The Nephilim we'll talk about in Mitzvah Hashem in Parashas Kairach. They were the Malachim that were in Shemayim telling Hashem how bad the human being is. And Hashem said, if you were in the world, you would be worse. And they said, try us. And Hashem took these two Malachim and threw them down to the earth. They were called Nephilim, the ones that fell. And they, um, from them, they married, they, they were with the women, and they had children, and those children, because they were actually coming from angels, originally, were giants. We saw them, those giants, the children of Anak, from the Nephilim. From and we were in our own eyes, like grasshoppers. And we were also... In their eyes, like grasshoppers. So first of all, two questions. Rashi says, how do they know? How do I know how you look at me? You guys are looking at me. I don't know what you think of me. Right? I don't know what you think of me. Well, I'll know what you think of me if you tell me what you think of me. So how can they come back to Klyastrom and say, we're like grasshoppers? Maybe the giants thought they were like mice. Maybe the, grass, maybe the giants thought they were humans. Giants, these giants have seen humans before. How did you know they were grasshoppers? So the Pusik tells us something fascinating, which is a big psychological fact. And the Pusik tells us a very interesting fact. We were in our own eyes like grasshoppers. What you think of yourself is what you project to others. So there was no reason to say that in the Pusik. The Pusik should have said, right, we saw the Nephilim. We saw the Bnei Anak, what's it called? And, and in their eyes, we were like grasshoppers. Why did they say Bnei Hibei So they were telling Klai Yisrael, the bottom line is that we felt, when we were standing next to these guys, that we were grasshoppers. And if that's how we felt, that's what we project. What a person feels about himself, that's what he projects to others. If you have low self-esteem, then that's what you project, you project to other people. 
So if you think you're a mouse, everyone else thinks you're a mouse. If you think you're a loser, everybody else is going to think you're a loser. If you think you can do anything, then everybody else is going to think you can do anything. So Rashi says something very interesting. How did they know what the giants thought of them? Look, Rashi, which makes the question even more. Rashi says, We were like grasshoppers in your eyes. We heard them talking. We were in the grass, we were hiding. We heard them talking. What did they say to each other? There are ants in the bushes, and they sound like humans. So Rashi's saying they were ants, and that's what they heard them being called ants. So why did they say in the Pasuk, we were like ants? If you didn't hear anything, okay. But you heard the guy, they said, we, they look like ants. So they should have said, we heard them say we look like ants, so we're ants. No, they, they're saying, doesn't matter what they said. The bottom line is we felt, in comparison to these people, we felt like we were, they were giants, and we were grasshoppers. And therefore we know for sure that that's how they looked at us. Which is, which is the basis of, of, you know, of chinuch, of children. If you, if you tell someone that you're amazing, it really works. Like, hey, hey, Rabbi Walton, why are you telling him he's amazing? He's not amazing. But I tell him enough times he's amazing, he's gonna be amazing. It's true. I'm telling you, I'm already 35 years. If you tell a kid you're stupid, no matter how smart he is, he's gonna be stupid. Because what he's gonna believe he is, that's what he's going to become. Very true. This statement that, that Chumash is saying, we think we're, we're grasshoppers, Therefore, we look like grasshoppers is 100%. I told you the story with that kid that I, that in the class, I told you, right, a few weeks ago, with that fourth grader that I told him the question, he felt great, all the kids jumped on him. After that, he was a superstar. Nothing changed that day, I tricked him. Nothing changed, nothing happened. But he thought, he knew the answer, right? He didn't remember that I told him the answer. So he felt good about himself, and all of a sudden, he's, he's, he's doing great, because I fixed it that he, he had the right answer. So it's very, very important in the chinuch of our children. Again, you can't keep calling kid tzaddik every time he breaks something over your head, right? Because that's not going to happen. You, you have to. There has to be a balance. Uh, you know, you, you, you walk around. That's my tzaddik. That's my tzaddik. The kid's doing every other in the world. He's like, hey, father thinks I'm a tzaddik. I can keep doing this. So it has to be like a, a balance. But when a kid is very young, you have to tell him, you could do it. You could do it. You have the brains. You could do it. You're going to do it. He'll have the brains. Listen. We, we have to do this experiment because I, I keep hearing about this and if, it, it's, if it's true, it's just, it's just a proof to, the, to what I'm telling you. They say, if you take the t- two of the same plants, maybe one of my Talmudim here in this room will do this so you'll, you'll give me a report. You buy two plants exactly the same. You put them on the windowsill right next to each other. You water them at the exact same time. One of them, every morning, you yell at. Stupid plant! You're never going to grow! You're a miserable plant! Hey you! The other one? Good morning, plant. You're a beautiful plant. You're gonna grow into this huge plant. You're amazing. I love you, plant. Have a great day. They China, that the plant that you talk nicely to is going to grow and the other plant's going to die. Now, they, they, they don't have a brain and they don't have a heart. But they're saying, and this is what they say, that Dibor, 
is so strong because we're medaber, we're on the top, right? The medaber can affect chai, sameach, and daimeh. So you could talk to a plant. Now, if this is true, could you imagine that if a plant will die and it doesn't have emotions and it doesn't have a heart and a soul and it doesn't have a brain, what you do to a child by every time screaming at him, you're a nothing, you're a dope, my father, you know, your father's working so hard. You know, I, I was telling you a, a parent the other day, so a lot of little kids today, they're, they're, they're fidgety and they're ADHD and they're ADD and the therapy and pills and Ritalin and this one and Concerta and we're popping pills and, 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 and the kid's still tittering, right? And my parents are like, I don't know what's wrong with my kid, what's wrong with my kid? I'm like, what do you tell your kid when they fail a test? Kid comes home, fifth grader, you know, got a 50. Now, first of all, kids, I'm teaching them a long time ago, kids are very smart. I had a situation today in my, in my, in my office. I'll show you how smart kids are. So I have this Shalom bias. Today it seems to have been Shalom bias day for me. That's why I was so late tonight. So there's a serious Shalom bias problem in a house. The woman's telling me one thing. And the husband's telling me the exact opposite. He's saying she says it. She says she's not. He, she says he, I'm like, I have no way to find out who's telling me the truth. But this is a very heavy problem. They have children. It's a very heavy problem. And I'm sitting there and he's saying all kinds of bad stuff about her. She's saying all kinds of bad stuff about him. And their mama's saying like the opposite. You would think they live in two different towns. Forget about the same house. So I'm like, how do I help people if I don't know which one's lying? Right? Somebody's lying. Right? You can't say it's sunny and it's raining. You gotta make up your mind, right? And she looks very idle, and he looks very idle. It's not like I could tell. Nice people, whatever, it just never worked. So, I'm like, okay. I want you to go home right now. I want me to bring you, to, you I want me to bring, I want you to bring your two oldest kids. I'm like, I don't want any coaching, I don't want any talking. Bring me your two oldest kids. Bring them now. Otherwise, I'm not helping you. Okay? They bring me these two kids. One of them's 12, 11. The other one's just a little bit above my mitzvah. Young, young kids. And my first kid sits down and like, so why do you think you're here? I don't know. I'm like, I want to help your parents. What do you think I can help your parents with? And I'm fishing to see what's going on in the house because he might say money because they don't have money he might say a new house because they have a teeny little apartment what's the kid going to say he's like they don't get along to, they don't get along with each other at all I'm like okay and I start asking him questions and he's giving me the answers then I call him his younger brother and I start asking him questions and he's giving me all the answers the perception of these little kids of what's going on in their house behind closed doors is so amazing I sat there I didn't have to ask the parents every, I knew everything that, or who was telling the truth what they were saying I knew stuff they didn't t- talk to me about everything but not not only facts perception if my father would only give my mother a little more time if my mother would listen to my father a little bit she's always talking into his conversation I'm listening I'm like I've got two psychiatrists here kids perception is, is fascinating it's fascinating what they understand on the other hand what a responsibility for a father and mother 
to have Shalom Bias in the house because because if that kid knows that I'm you're here for me to fix it, that means they you know it's very broken. And I asked them, so do you go to school ever very scared when they fight? And he says, yes. And I have stomach aches a lot. So my people think that their kids don't know what's flying, they don't know what's going on. You have a child, you have a responsibility to make the environment for that child a comfortable and wholesome environment. Just to bring a kid into this world. I, I, I just told somebody, it's not your responsibility to bring a kid into the world, it's your responsibility to bring a world around your kid. Just to bring him in the world and then you gotta create an environment, a healthy environment, where kid goes, my mommy and Tati love each other. They're really good. If you go to school, you're, you're on a high. When I talk to them, you're, you're shaking. So, 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 so when a child comes home and he has a 50 on his test, right? He knows. Don't think he's stupid. He knows he did very bad. He's embarrassed. He let you down. He let his Rebbe down. He let himself down. He's not in a good place. Right? So then we, teachers, we write across this paper, failing! He's in fifth grade. He figured out that under 65 is failing. You don't need to rub it in. You know what I mean? It's like writing on his paper. I just told this to a bunch of teachers. Loser. Same thing. And then parent signature. The parents will figure out where to sign it. So the kid comes home and we're talking disappointed. Now I get angry. That's my whole thing about taking it personally. We can be disappointed. You can't be angry. He didn't say... Even though I know all the answers, I'm going to get a 50 to aggravate my mother. It's not what he said. He tried his best. He didn't study. He didn't listen when he was supposed to. For the mice, when he took the test, he didn't say, I want to aggravate my mother. So what are you getting angry about? Are you angry at him? Are you angry at him? If you do something to hurt me, I shouldn't get angry, but okay, I'm a human being. I'll get angry. But if someone hurts themselves... You're talking disappointed. I told you not to go outside. Now you have a cold. You're angry that you have a cold. I'm disappointed. I feel bad that you have a cold and I could have helped you not having a cold. So the kid comes over with a 50 and the mother was like, out of control. Because today everything is competition. Out of control. What? That's what you bring home. Your father has three jobs. He's killing himself. He's going to have a heart attack. Paying your tuition. And, and, and how am I going to talk to my friends anymore? And you're such an embarrassment. Chaya's son, Mayor, he got a 95 on the test. And now she's going to rub it in my face. I can't even talk to anyone anymore. And your sister, she's going around and she'd do him. And someone's going to find out about it. And they're going to think our whole, our whole, our whole family now has a low IQ. And no one's going to get a shit on. People are crazy today. Okay, go to your room. Now, we don't know why. The next morning, he's like, uh, shaking. And he's got a tremor, and he needs pills, and he needs a therapist. Because in this kid's head, he's walking around. Not I got a 50. He's walking around. I killed my father. He's going to have a heart attack. My mother, she can't talk to anyone anymore. No one's going to talk to her because they're making fun. And my sister's not going to get married ever. He already has a 50. That's enough to carry around. He's carrying this all around. Failure. My mother doesn't have anyone to talk to anymore. My father's dead. Right? I'm going to say Kaddish tomorrow. He's definitely going to die. If I ever get under a 50, he's sure going to die. Right? And my sister's going to just never get married. So we don't realize when we say all these things, they take it seriously. They have, they have a, there's a perception. So we make them feel like a grasshopper. So if they feel like a grasshopper, 
you feel like a loser, that's what they're going to project to everyone else. And no one's going to want to play with them. And they're not going to have friends. And then after a while, if they don't have friends, and they're not doing well in class, because if I don't believe I can get more than a 50, my Rebbe's telling me that, you know, you're just never going to get more than a 50. I'm never going to get more than a 50. And then I'm going to find a place where I'm the man. Where I'm not kechagovim, where I'm not a grasshopper. I'm going to go to the street, and I'm going to be bad, and I'm going to steal, and I'm going to do stuff that the other kids are going to say, Wow! You're a giant, man! You broke into the shul, and you stole all the money for the pushka! And you got around the cameras! You're the man! So the street will make him a giant. But the way to become a giant in the street is to do a lot of bad stuff. Become a giant drug dealer. Or a giant girl killer. And who drove him there? We drove him there. Because we told him you're a little grasshopper. In the bushes, you're nobody. This was their mistake. And until this happened, guys, Christ rolled in in panic. It's unbelievable. If you look in the Pesukim, no matter what the Muraglam said, Kleistrol was listening. There's no reaction. If you look in the Pesukim, the minute they said, we're grasshoppers, guys, we can't beat these guys. We're going to see them. We're grasshoppers. We're nobody. And in our own eyes, we're nobody. And everything we said, listen, compared to them, we're grasshoppers. We have Hashem. <laughs> we'll hop right on their heads and kill them. That's not what they said. What's the next Pasuk? In our own eyes, we were like grasshoppers, and that's how we were in their eyes. But Tisa Kola Eda, everybody lifted. But Yitnu is Kailam, they screamed out. But Yibhu Ambalahu, and they began to cry. All the other stuff that they said, right? No problem. Nobody cried. Nobody broke down. They said a lot of stuff. They said a lot of stuff. The giants, and they said, um, we're surrounded, the Chiti, Vusi, they're in the mountains, Khnani's on the Yam, we're all surrounded, right? And they said a lot of bad stuff about, about Eretz Yisrael. Nobody said anything. Nobody panicked. All of a sudden, they say we're grasshoppers, and the whole thing breaks down, and then we were punished, of course, 40 years, and we were punished at every Tishabal. Every Tisha B'Av, we're going to cry. You cried that night, you're going to cry tonight. You're going to cry. So how do you fix that? How do you fix Tisha B'Av? So what happened was, because they thought they were grasshoppers, and they, they, they forgot about Hashem, so Kosh Baruch said, you're crying tonight for no reason? What do you mean you're grasshoppers? You're Klai Yisrael? I took you till here? You weren't grasshoppers at, at Kriyas Yamsuf? You weren't grasshoppers in the Triumph? All of a sudden now you're grasshoppers? Kosh Baruch said... From now on, for the rest till Mashiach comes, every single night, that night, you are going to cry. This is the Holocaust, the Spanish Inquisition. Everything happened on Tisha B'Av. Why? Because the Avera that they did was they had a, they were Kafri Tov. And Kafri Tov, as we have said in the Shiram beforehand, by the way, the first four pages of the book have been written, Or Hashem, and they're amazing. Um, I just saw that. I just saw them. He just sent it to me. Um, we're going to be finished by Pesach. So, why was I telling you? Oh, yeah. So, so, so they were Kafri Toiv. 
Because Bokhu is saying, I brought you till here, we're going to go into Eretz Yisrael, I'm giving you a land that's Eretz of Atchalutvash, exactly what Adam did. Now you're throwing it back in my face. That it's, what are you talking about? It's full of this, it's full of that, and we're a bunch of this and that. Because Bokhu says, you're comfy toy, comfy toy, you're going to pay for. Any other way, you did the ego? How come Hashem didn't say, on the day you did the ego, you're going to cry for the rest of your life? They made an ego. Because the ego was, they made a mistake. They thought they needed Abu Dizara, something with someone in between, in between. So that's, that's, a, they made a mistake. Kofi Toiv by Akunj Baruchu is the breaking of the essence of a human being. And you, you're coming back from this land that I made so unbelievable. I took you out of the triumph all to get here. And you're, and you're throwing it back in my face. Like you did with, uh, with Chabot, the woman that you gave me. Look at, oh, that's just wrong. Look at you gave me the fruits and this, that. Everyone's dying, giants, that, that, that. Akunj Baruchu said, your coffee time, you're going to pay for this every single year. It was based on Akaras HaToyv. And because there are coffee time, that night they're going to cry forever. But where did it come from? It came from low self-esteem. It came from that we look like grasshoppers. Now, let's go the other way. Okay, so here's a, 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 a bunch of Nisim meeting giants, panicking, coming back and saying, we're grasshoppers. Now let's look at another meeting of giants, of a giant. And that was Dabar HaMelech. So Dabar HaMelech, it's a Pasuk of Gimel if you want to look it up, Shmuel Aleph, you're a giant. This, this giant, right? And he got up, this giant, and he was bad-mouthing God. And it said he used to do it, um, Hashkem Baha'erev. He used to do it in the morning by Kriyashma, and he used to do it in the evening by Kriyashma. Okay? So, there were a lot of big soldiers, including David Amalek's brothers, in the Jewish army. This was a, Shaul's army was a tough army. They were, they knocked off the Plishtim wherever they went, right? So, the whole issue throw their oysimus ish. Anyone who saw this giant saw Goliath by Yenusimi Panov a Yeramayid. They ran away from him. They were very scared. Vayomi ish Yisrael har Yisim ish Oila said, "Did you see this man? Kilcharet Yisrael Oila. He came to to destroy Klai Yisrael." He says, "And whoever he tells David Amelach, and whoever kills him, Yashvenu Amelach Oishigano, the king will make him rich. Vezbita Yitem Oy." And he'll give his daughter. But you have a David on the Nashim. Now you have to remember, David was a little short. Adaimi was a redhead and he was short. And he wasn't a man of weapons. He was a shepherd who had a slingshot. He wasn't, he wasn't taught in the ways of war at that point. He was just a shepherd. Right? So you have a David on the Nashim. So David said to the people there, what are they going to do for the guy who kills the Plishti? And will remove this embarrassment? Who is this Plishti, this RL? That he's shaking up God's army here. Okay? So his brother heard about it and he got very angry. He said, David, what are you doing here? Why don't you go back to the sheep? You're, not, you're a shepherd boy. Okay. So, David Amela said, I am not scared of this guy. And, 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 and Shoal heard about this. 
he said, okay, so who cares? So David Amel said, okay, Roya Hoyo Abdukha, yes, I was a shepherd. And a lion and a bear attacked me. And they took a lamb from the flock. I went after them. I killed them. But listen to what he says, and this is so important in Chinuch. And I I took him out of his mouth and I saved the lamb. And he attacked me. I guess this was the lion. I grabbed him by his beard, the lion. He kissed I killed him. I hit him and I killed him. I killed them both. The bear and the lion. And this Pushti is just like one of them. He's no different. He's, he's messing with with God's, with God's army. The most amazing thing about this was that David HaMelech said that not only did I kill them, but I saved the lamb. In other words, on my watch, very much like Moshe Abel, on my watch when I'm a shepherd, nobody gets my lamb. So it would have been okay. So, so the bear ate the lamb. Big deal. That's what happens. And then I killed him. So he couldn't eat any other lambs. No. One lamb's too many. So he told Shaul, you have to understand who I am. I'm not just a shepherd. I didn't just kill a lion and a bear. I made sure that I didn't lose one of my flock. A Rebbe, a leader, has to know that you can't afford to even lose the kid that should be lost. Should be lost. He's acting like that. He's in the street. He should be lost. No. Dovod Amela said, if you're a leader, you can't even lose the sheep that's in the mouth of the lion. you got to pull him out. you got to grab his beard it's the lion's beard, and you gotta pull him out. Okay. I may be never. Anyway. Um, okay. So, so, Lamaisa, what is he saying over here? This guy's a giant. That's a beer and a lion. It's pretty cool what you did, but, um, this guy's a giant. So here, here is the difference between David and these Nisim. Rayyayma David, listen to me. You don't understand. It's not about the bear and the lion. Hashem, The same God that could save me from a lion and a bear can save me from a plishti. It's all the same. When Shaul heard that David HaMelech brought Hashem into the mix, The same Hashem you're saying that saved you from what should be with you. Okay. So we all know he put on, he put on Shaul's armor and Shaul's armor, even though Shaul was big and he was teeny, it fit, which it shouldn't have. And Shaul got very like, does that mean he's going to be the next king? He's going to take over my kingdom? David saw that and he took it off. He took his stick and he took five stones. And he approached the Plishti. Vayelech ha-Plishti, ha-Yelech v'karvel David. 
and the plishti came closer to David, and he had a man that was walking with him. And the plishti stared at him. David, and he saw that it was David, a boy. He started cursing him. He started embarrassing him. He He's a little kid. The Admoni, and he was a redhead. and he was pretty. Instead, a pretty boy is coming up against this guy with a stick and a bunch of stones. What do you think? I'm a dog. You think I came from Arpa, who's with the dog? Okay, whatever. You come to me with, with, with sticks? And the Pushti cursed David in the name of his God. He said, Come here, little boy, and I'm going I'm to give your meat to the to the birds in Shemayim and to the behemoths in the Sada. Let me take a medrash on this. Unbelievable. David was looking for a sign if he's going to win or not. So he knows that a Kurdish Baruch Hu puts into the mouth, right? We know, we know by Haman, you know, Loi Badam, La'avdam, right? So this is what he said. The Plishti said, David was listening very carefully. He said, I come close to me. I'll give your meat to the birds in Shemayim. Now, what's a behemoth? Behemoth is a domesticated animal. Domesticated animals don't eat meat. So he made a statement, right, that was not true. Because the Oifah Shemayim, okay, it could be an eagle, it could be a hawk, whatever it is. But behemoth don't eat meat. So he realized that what he said can't come true. In other words, you're cursing me, you're telling me you're going to do something. Hashem made something come out of Goliath's mouth that could not come true. So he said, if that can't come true, then the whole thing of, of him, the whole statement can't come true. What was the statement? You're going to kill me. So you're going to kill me, give me to the Bahamas, but you can't give me to the Bahamas because they don't eat meat. So I knew right, he knew right then and there that he was going to win. Just down. Okay? So David Amelach said, you're coming to me with a sword and a, and, and, and a mace and a, and a spear. He didn't even say a stick. He says, I'm coming to you with the name of Hashem. Hashem is going to give me in your hands. I will kill you. And I will remove your head. The, the Pushti didn't talk to him like that. Pushti said, I'll, I'll, you're meat, right? He said, I will remove your head. And I'm going to give your meat to the birds, not to the behemoths, because they don't eat meat, but to the chayas of the sada. And everybody will know, including the Jews, that Yisrael has a king. And this is what the mistake was that the Moravim did not know. He said, and all the Jewish people will know, God doesn't always save you with a sword and with a mace. It's up to Hashem how He wants to save you. And He will give us in your hands. And the Pushti got up and He ran towards Him. And He shot the rock and the Pushti fell. And, uh, he, and he went and he cut his head off and that was the end of that so what happened here so if you break it down Manashtana between David and Melech and the Plishtim 
and the Moraglim. The Moraglim also were against the giants. So why did they come back with such a report? It's very posh. You're right. As human beings, in comparison with the giants, we are grasshoppers. But if we're together with Hashem, then they're grasshoppers. There's a famous story with a, a little a little dwarf. No, they they really there's a lot of shots, so it's hard to nail it on one shot. They really didn't think they could beat these guys. And they really thought that they were grasshoppers, and therefore they thought that these guys thought they were grasshoppers, they're just gonna step on us. Um, there's a famous there's a famous like riddle where they, they asked there was there were like ten giants in a room and there was a little dwarf and he came in and he said, I could be taller than all of you and they said impossible and he took bets and whatever and bottom line he jumped on he jumped on the tallest giant once he was on the giant he even the tallest giant once he was on the giant the dwarf on top of the giant was taller than all the giants and he won all the money that's what Amalek was saying over here Amalek was saying you're right I'm a little redhead bottom line is I'm on God's shoulders he's carrying me if I'm on God's shoulders you're nothing you're, you're not even a grasshopper she said, I want to teach this to everyone. Kaisal has to see this. Kaisal has to learn this. That if I'm together with that Kurdish Baruch Hu, what are you? You're nothing. Meraglim forgot the equation is Meraglim plus God is much bigger than a giant. And, and that's what we as people have to understand. We have to understand that, that if we're connected to Kurdish Baruch Hu, and then I'm on his shoulders and he's carrying me, then I'm way above everybody else. If I'm by myself, you're right. I am not smart, and I am a nobody. But if I'm connected to Kosh Baruch Hu, I'm a giant. That was their terrible Avera. Their terrible Avera was, they didn't connect the dots to Hashem. They just connected me compared to him. You're right, you are Chazavim. But they didn't have what David Melech had. They didn't have David Melech said, what are you all worried about? All these soldiers, what are you worried about? I'm a shepherd, but, but I'm a shepherd on Hashem's shoulder. A shepherd on Hashem's shoulder is much bigger than a Goliath. I'm bigger than anybody. But you got to hop onto Hashem's shoulder. And to do that, you have to believe in Him. And you have to be connected to Him. Which leads me to my next thing. So he says here, it's very interesting, um, on the words, in the Alein L'Shabeach, on the words, he says, I'll tell you a story that he brings down here. He brings out a story about, about he met this person who wasn't a Haredi and, and he was asking him about Yiddishkeit so he brought him to his house and at the house over coffee he said you believe in, in the Torah he said yes so he says unbelievable story I didn't know this story in in Malachim Bey's Perikvav in the story in the days of Elisha Hanavi so the king of Aram wished to attack the Jewish people, so he set up ambushes in different places to intercept the Jewish army. But Elisha, he had Nevoah, he learned of the plan through prophecy, and each day he would tell the Jewish king not to send his soldiers through the area where the soldiers of Aram were lying in ambush. The king of Aram was mystified. No matter where he positioned his soldiers in ambush, the soldiers never managed to intercept the Jewish army. Convinced that the Jewish had planted a spy in his army, and that the spy was leaking intelligence information to the Jewish king, the king of Aram called his servants and said, tell me, which of our people is reporting to the king of Israel? How do they know where we're hiding? Who's the mole? One of his servants then told him, no, that there's a prophet. The Jews have a prophet, Elisha. 
and he tells the king of Israel, he could tell them even the things that you discuss in your bedroom. After hearing this, the king instructed that Elisha be brought to him. And he sent out horses and chariot and a large army to come at night and surround the city of Dosan, where Elisha was situated. Because once he kills Elisha, then Elisha can't tell the Jewish king where these guys are, and then they'll, they'll wipe us out. Okay? So the next morning, Elisha's assistant woke him up and saw a large army that surrounded the city became very scared. Wishing to calm him down, Elisha said, Fear not, we have much more forces with us than they have with them. This guy said, What do you mean? It's just us. What kind of forces? So Elisha then prayed that Hashem open up the eyes of his attendant. And Hashem opened up the eyes of the attendant. And he said, Behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. After concluding the story, I turned to my guests and said that Elisha's attendant was certain that the forces of Aram were a majority. Therefore, he was scared of them. What the prophet showed him, that's not true. And that if you open your eyes, you see that all the malachim and the angels that are, that surround Israel. He says, this is beautiful. He says that every Jew that learns Torah and does mitzvahs, we know that it says every time you learn Torah and you do a mitzvah, you create a malach. So even though you can't see them, if you create a malach every time you do a mitzvah, there are hundreds and hundreds of thousands of malachim that are around you. So you don't have to worry. We're very worried. A lot of people are worried. What are we going to do? Israel's surrounded. We're, I don't know how many Jews in Israel, but millions and millions and millions of Arabs all around us, surrounded. How are we going to make it through? Millions of missiles are facing Israel, right? But the Jews in Israel have done so many mitzvahs. If every single one of those mitzvahs created a malach, we outnumber the Arabs by billions. Every time, every second you wear tzitzis, you get a mitzvah. So in this world, physically, you're looking at them, you're like, I don't understand. Like, they have us outnumbered, they could destroy us in a minute. The answer is no, they don't have you outnumbered. You are outnumbering them. And actually, the Six-Day War, right? If you study the Six-Day War, they were running. They had us outnumbered. Jordan, Syria, well, Egypt had us outnumbered, I don't know, a hundred to one. And they were running. They left their shoes in the sand. Where were they running from? They heard noises. They heard this. They heard all kinds of crazy stories. Because we create, we create mitzvahs. We create malachim. And those malachim are, are standing on our sides. All right, I want to end with a story. It's talking very late tonight. Um, beautiful. You're going to like this. It's my kind of story. I just want to, there's one other subject before I tell you the story. That just something that I started. I have to, there's, there's a relevant Muncie. I forgot his name. He's like a Laman Vavtadik. He's a Rebbe. But not a lot of people, not that many people know, but I was introduced to him, whatever. I met him by opinion of Ben. And, and he's davening. I never saw him daven, but I heard that people now come to watch him daven. Why? He talks to Hashem. What does that mean? What do you mean he talks to Hashem? So the guy told me, he mamash talks to Hashem. Like, he'll say, Ashri, Yeshri, but then he'll say, well, by the way, I need to talk to you about something. He mamash talks to Hashem. Okay. Sounds cool. I wanted to see it, but I never got a chance. I was in to show like Mohammed. Right? So on Chavez, I was davening by Imaron in the Minion, and I looked in the back, and he's there. And the people that are davening there, they don't know who he is. I know who he was, because I met him in Muncie. I said, I have to watch him daven. I, I, I went to the back to sit, sit at the same table. Guys, you never saw someone down like this. He says the tefillah, but then he talks to Hashem. And he's not walking up. But you have to do this for us, Hashem. You don't understand, but you have to do this. And he's talking to him. I'm like, oh my gosh. Right? Then start, people start looking at him like, you know, he's talking to himself, whatever it is. I knew who he was, whatever it was. Okay. Fascinating. Last week, 
I was very, very hungry. I was very, very thirsty. And I drove by the store. I had to go somewhere, whatever it was. And I'm on, I was on this diet, whatever. So I just bought myself a peach on the run. Right? Okay. Made a bracha. Like, you know, right? Let you make a bracha. And I bit into this peach. And this thing was like, one of the juiciest peaches I've ever been into in my life. Red inside, peach. Red inside. And it was very, very sweet. And I'm like, that bracha wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. I'm like, God, I got to talk to you. I'm driving my car. I'm like, God, I got to talk to you. This peach is amazing. I made a bracha already. I can't make another bracha on it. I can't tell you, that's unbelievable. I'm so thirsty. I'm so hungry. And this peach is going to take care of both. Hashem, I love you, and I thank you so much. I'm looking at this peach, and it's like, my tie is, forget it, right? I'm like, Hashem, by the way, you're taking the cleaning bill, but, right? It was like, so since then, since then, I have been, uh, again, I'm not telling you you have to do this, but it's just, you maybe you should start, everyone who's listening tonight, that after you make the bracha, whatever it is on it, you should talk to Hashem separately outside of the bracha. Like, like you, you have a stomach ache, and you have to go to the bathroom, and you come out, you make an ashiyat, that's very nice. Well, you know what? I felt so bad before I went into that bathroom. I thought my, I thought I was going to plot. I'm like a new man. Thank you so much. Outside of the Ashiyatza. Like, you know, now I can go back to work. I go back into the office. I, 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 I might just go back anything, a flower, whatever it is. You make a bracha, but, but then you can talk to him about it. This rough talks to him about it. I was fascinated. And, and I have to say that my, my bracha is a little bit different. But outside of that, like today, I had a bunch of cherries, whatever it is. And, and they were like, also crazy and I'm like it's like it's just amazing you could have just made peaches but no you made cherries and you made peaches and you made plums and you made nectarines and you made apple and you made watermelon you made oh wow ah! there's no bracha to say that to Hashem I'm like it's unbelievable and, and, and watermelon and that, it's like it's unbelievable so, so it's just an idea and maybe will help us get more connected to Hashem that we need to outside of the bracha we need to start talking to Him about the stuff that we appreciate. Now we talk to him. Like you're talking to him. Then to get onto his shoulder, to, to, to not feel like a grasshopper, and to feel like, oh my gosh, I talk to Hashem. We have a relationship. So, then, my, I feel great, I feel big. But it's not about guy, because you're not feeling big, you're feeling Hashem's big, and I'm on his shoulder. The dwarf didn't grow. The dwarf's a dwarf. He's teeny. He didn't grow. His height is based on the giant. Without the giant, he's a grasshopper. So he didn't grow. His whole growth is that he's on the giant's back. So my whole growth is that I'm connected to Hashem. I'm not about Gaiva. Don't know Melech wasn't about Gaiva. When he got up and he told Goliath, Ah, I'm going to chop your head off, feed you to the birds. Hey, kid, you know, what is this trash talking? You're a big shot. Wasn't a big shot. She said, I'm nobody. He said to him, I'm nobody. I'm a little shepherd boy. You're right. Blue eyes, pretty boy, redhead, short. With a stick. You're right. I'm a nobody. But on God's shoulders, I'm going to cut your head off, man. That was his connection to HaKosh Baruch Hu. That was the Avera of the Muraglim. Muraglim separated Eretz Yisrael, the Peirais, everything. Never mentioned God. Separated everything from God. So, if we're not connected to God, they're bigger, they're stronger, there are seven nations, we're surrounded, have a good day. That was the Avera that they did. And that's why Kali ben Yafuna and Yahushua riced Kriya. They ripped their clothing. 
Yeah, the rice kriya. You're not bringing Hashem into the Hashem who brought us to this land. You're not bringing Him in, into the whole thing. Then, then we're done. We're finished as a nation. Then we're just a bunch of human beings, a bunch of Jews. No, the Israeli army can't win an army, can't win a war. No, we're a bunch of Jews with a bunch of tanks like everybody else. And Iran can knock us off the earth in one second. But when, if the stupid government will come to the realization that Israeli government is nothing, and the Israeli army is nothing, but the Israeli army connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is everything. Without that, we're nothing. They're making the same mistake that the Moroccan made. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, you know what? I'm not in the equation. I'm out of the equation. Let's see how you do. So what happened when the Jews didn't listen, right? And they said, we're going in anyway, the, the ones that broke off. After Kleistrow, a bunch of them left anyway. They got wiped out. Canaanim were waiting for them, massacred them. Later on when they went in, they massacred everybody else. They had Hashem. These guys, Hashem said, no, you're not going in now. No, we're going in. Oh, you're going in as human beings? The same Jews that beat the Triumph, that wiped out the Triumph, the same Jews? You're skin of Canaanim? Yeah, now you're just grasshoppers. Because now we're not together. I don't want you to go there. You're talking wiped out to the last man. Nothing. They lost the war. One, two, three, forget it. Have a good day. That was the mistake. And, and, and that's, that's the godless. And that's, that's the whole thing of Ain Old Novado. The whole secret. And there's many stories of Tzadikim that said Ain Old Movado. The Nazis didn't see them. All kinds of stories. Because Ain Old Movado, if I am with Akrish Baruch Hu, then I can be the biggest giant. I can be, I can be invisible. I can be anything. If I'm not, I'm finished. And Akrish Baruch Hu said that. Leaving me out of the equation in your life, leaving God out of your equation, forget about that there, Apikorsim. Hashem will forgive you for that. But you're a coffee type. You're leaving me out of the equation? I'm the one who brought you, I'm the one who gives you everything, I give you sustenance, I give you life, I give you everything. You're leaving me out of the equation? That is the ultimate fear. The ultimate coffee type. You're gonna cry every single night. That this happened, you're going to need to cry about this. Because you left me out of the equation. So I want to end with a little teeny short story about Rav Scheinberg from his book, his new book. If you can get it, you should read it. I love this story. So Rav Scheinberg was mashkiach of Yeshiva Chavetz Chaim. And one night, one Thursday night, a group of boys, you guys know, right, broke into the kitchen on a Thursday night and ate the chalent that was made for Shabbos. And they caught him. So they came to Rav Scheinberg, and he was a mashkiach. And the rabbeim said, "You got to toss these guys chutzpah. They ate the chalent for the other guys on shop. Now that they broke in for the into the kitchen, broke into the kitchen, they broke the lock, and they went into the kitchen. Okay. So the, the Rosh Hashiva was Rav Henoch Leibowitz all So Rav Scheinberg discussed the situation with Rav Henoch Leibowitz, who was Rosh Hashiva at the time, and the two of them decided not to punish the boys. Instead, they determined that the yeshiva needs to prepare more cholent for the boys. The next week, there were two pots of cholent. One for Thursday night, and one for Shabbos. These were giants. These were rabbeim. These were Rosh Hashivas. These were giants. They were able to see, instead of punishing, instead of getting angry, able to see that they didn't have enough to eat. So the next week from then on, they always had two pots of cholent. One for Thursday night, and, and, and one for Friday. One other thing, and I'll let you guys go. I know we started very late, very late tonight. I heard something very beautiful um, last night. Just a very short story. 
that's um, the concentration camp story. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to wait. Even if you drink, a, even if you, um, you drink a glass of cold seltzer and you're dying of thirst, you know that <gasps> that quit. It's a shahakal. It's very nice, but like, where'd you come up with this bubbles in the soda? Right? It's, they didn't have that 500 years ago. There was no bubbles in the soda. Even that. Wow. All this stuff. You need to talk to him. The bracha is very important. Don't get me wrong, but you need to talk to him after the bracha. To talk to him. It could be about anything. It could be about technology that you have the ability to do things much faster than you were able to. It could be about um, I went to a wedding this week. There are 27 pieces at this wedding. 27 pieces. I never went to a wedding that it was like it was like I don't know going to opera. So by the chuppah it was in the Hilton. So it was a very expensive wedding. 27 pieces. So by the chuppah I was standing right by the band. Of the 27 pieces, I would say probably 15 to 18 were strings: violin, cello. Harp, five violinists, five cellos, five, you know, and Shreki was singing, and I was standing right by the music. It was so beautiful to listen to those violins and that cello, and the and the and the and the trumpet, you know, section. And I was just standing there, and I was like, "Akush you brought music into the world." This is not normal. That you could take string with a piece of wood and make it cry and make it laugh. And you could take a piece of metal and just by making a little hole, and a trumpet and a clarinet. Okay, drums no godless, right? And I'm listening, I'm listening to this whole orchestra and I'm like, and you gave the B'nai Adam, the person, the ability to read notes. That your music has, has a chumash, it, it has words. The music has words, it has notes. I'm like, why? You did that for me. And for every person in this world. That music makes you feel good. I'm like, I was just, and I was like in heaven, I was just listening to this, to this orchestra. I'm like, thank you, Akash Baruch. No bracha music. Because you know when it's going to stop and you can't really, there's no bracha music. I'm like, Hashem, thank you so much that I could hear. There are people that I can't hear. What? Shrek was great. Thank you, Hashem, for Shweki. Okay, that is his wife has to say. That's not for me to say. But no, but seriously, it was like, wow, when's the last time you heard music and you're like, you, you can't make a bracha, but you can say, it's fantastic that strings can make these sounds as mamish. They weep, they laugh. It's amazing. It's amazing. And then you feel connected to him. So, what I want to tell you? No, I'm not telling you that tonight. Um, oh, okay. So, I was by Sherebrach last night. This guy said something very beautiful. He said there was a king who had a daughter, and he didn't have a child for a very, very, very long time. And he was promised he's going to have a child, and he had a daughter, and he did, he wanted her to grow up perfect. So he built a castle for her, and he never, and he had, and he put guards, and he never let anyone come to the castle. She had tutors and this and that, nobody was allowed to come to the castle. When she became 18 years old, he wanted to marry her off. So he, he said he's interested in finding a shidduch. Nobody wanted to go out with her because nobody knew what she was like. Nobody ever saw her. She could be ugly. She could be mean. She could be scream at everybody. She could be deaf. She could, I, I don't know. So everyone said, let us see her. Then we'll marry her. We'll no. You have to agree without seeing her. So one guy 
All right, listen, it's a princess. How bad could she be? He marries her. 20 years later, he comes back to the king. And he says, I want to make another wedding. You made a beautiful wedding when I got married, but I want to make another wedding. The king says, another wedding? I'm married 20 years. I'm not making you another wedding. Why do you want another wedding? He says, I'll tell you the truth. He says, the first wedding, you made a beautiful wedding, but honestly, I didn't enjoy it that much. He says, why not? He says, because I just met her. I didn't know if she's normal. I didn't know if she's good. I didn't know who she was. He said, so I was nervous the whole wedding. I was nervous. I was like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. He says, she is so amazing and she's so beautiful and she's so special. It's 20 years I'm spending with, I spent with her. Now I would enjoy the wedding because now I know what I have. So of course the king said, you got it. We'll make you another wedding. So he said this. He said, Shavuos, which we just had. He said, we celebrate it every year. Why celebrate every year? You got the Torah, you're by mitzvah, you're learning Torah, finished. Celebrate it once. He says, every year, we tell Kirsh Baruch Hu that last year, Shavuos, I thought I knew how beautiful she was. And I, I thought I knew how great she was. So I was very happy, you know, with, with what I had. But after a year of learning, of Daf Yaimi and Chumish and, every, and, and, and going to Shurim and learning, oh my God, I have to celebrate this different. Because this year, I, I realize she's even more beautiful. And I realize she's even more special. He says, that's what Shavuos is all about. Every single year, you celebrate that you know the Kala a year better, a year closer. So, but you have to spend that year learning. You have to spend that year getting to know her. So my bracha to everyone is that we should talk a next year. Talak Rosh Ah, last year was nothing. This year I shtayed. I finished Masechtas. I went Chumash and Rashi. I was Mavad Sedra. I went to Shiurim. Now I really got to know her a little bit better. Now I really want to celebrate. We should all be zaycha. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.